everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast here on the Teardown Feed. My name is Jeff Gluck, and each week I talk to a different race car driver with the same 12 questions. This week, it's Tommy Joe Martins of Martins Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. Tommy Joe both owns the Martins Motorsports team and drives for it, and he is always one of the most honest and interesting guys out there and just thought, you know what? He's going to give us some real talk, some real truth. Let's get him on the podcast. And he certainly delivered. Really excited for you to hear our conversation. So let's jump right in and give it a listen. All right, everybody. I'm here with Tommy Joe Martins. And man, I'm so excited to have you uh, on here for the 12 questions. This is a pretty, pretty exciting day for me. <laughs> it's exciting for me. I mean, you've been doing this now for how long, Jeff? And, and I feel like I'm I wasn't exactly the first pick for this. I've done a podcast with you before. It was a long time ago when you were doing the social spotlight back when you had jeffgluck.com going. So now to do the 12 questions, I feel like I'm I'm checking off all the boxes here. You know, I was there's so long where I was like, you know, I got to hit all the got to hit all the big name cup drivers and all this stuff. And then I kind of came to a realization last year. I'm just like, you know, a lot of those drivers aren't the most interesting uh, interviews or they don't have the most interesting things to say. So this year I've been trying to do more of a focus on people who actually, I think, uh, give good answers to questions. And so that's why I was like, you know what? I do on Tommy Joe. Tommy Joe's an interesting oh. guy. So, Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, well, I know I'm at least going to be honest with you uh, for better for better or worse for me. There you go. This, this is one of the good things about when you have your own team, Jeff. You don't really have to answer to anybody. <laughs> If you answer a question poorly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. So the first question is, uh, when you meet someone who doesn't know who you are, do you ever lie about what you do for a living? No, not at all. Um, and, you know, I've heard that kind of go around in our industry a little bit where drivers will say, you know, oh, I work for a race team or, oh, I, you know, just kind of on the fringe type say it. And I went to a rookie symposium one year. It was in Daytona back when NASCAR did that. And uh, the one thing that I took away from that was the guy said, you've worked really hard to be here. Own what you do. And that really stuck with me. And hmm. so when people say what I do, I say I'm a NASCAR driver and I'm a race car driver. And, and I've said that from when I worked at uh, Ron Fellow's place out there as an instructor and I'd say it now. I mean, I'm a, I'm a race car driver. I'm a professional race car driver. That's what I do. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. Okay. Uh, which current NASCAR driver have you known for the longest? Ooh, probably Ryan Ellis. Oh, okay. You know, like, I, I've known Ryan for, for a long time now because Ryan and I were kind of kicking around back in 2014 when I had uh, my first iteration of Martin's Motorsports Xfinity team and he and I were doing starting parks and stuff together and just kind of bemoaning our luck and, and our place <laughs> in the sport. And Matt DiBenedetto was part of that little group and Tanner Berryhill, who is now kind of back in the Xfinity series. So those are probably the guys that I've known the longest and, and not, not from the best circumstances. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to see kind of where all of us are now. You don't realize just how far you've come. Yeah, no, you, it's a good group when you go through the battles with people, right? You know? Yeah. Um, can you describe to us what it feels like to crash in a race car? Well, there's two types of crashes. Uh, there's the one that you don't know is coming and there's the one that you know is coming. Um, okay. 
I would say the one that you don't know is probably the one that to me, that's the one that's hurt the most. Um, it's just so unexpected where you get right reared. Uh, like I just had a wreck in Charlotte um, a couple weeks ago now where kind of thought I was making it through it, got hit in the right rear, turned straight at the wall. Uh, but there's still that moment <laughs> of a couple of seconds where you go, yeah, this is you where I'm about to hit the wall straight on. This is going to suck. Uh, I will say that the only times that I've ever been scared in a car is when I didn't have control of the car anymore, uh, where I, maybe I lost brakes, uh, so, something to that effect, where I, now I'm turning the wheels, something broke, I, I can't steer the car. Anytime that you're just a passenger along for the ride, uh, that's when you you start getting a little scared. Um, but the hardest hits uh, to me are always those unexpected hits where I've hit the wall and I'm coming back down and somebody else hits you uh, where you don't see that coming, where you, you've almost tensed up for the first hit and the second hit seems like it's the hardest one. Wow. Wow. That's a good description. Uh, do you have any new habits or lifestyle changes you've made lately that you're particularly proud of? Uh, is moving to North Carolina to work full time for my race team. Does that, does that count as a lifestyle change? Uh, sounds like it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to everybody that didn't know, I mean, I worked as a racing instructor for the last six years over in uh, Las Vegas at Ron Fellows driving school and um, had kind of done the business side of Martin's Motorsports part-time uh, in 2017 when we had uh, also Wayne self-driving for our truck team. I was over here trying to do the day-to-day -day operations, uh, but I'm doing it again. You can see my background here, Jeff, this is my office that I've got in our race shop. Uh, the, the broom closet that I have retrofitted um, as my office. Uh, so I'd say that's a big change. I mean, when you move uh, all the way from the Pacific time zone to the East coast, uh, that's a pretty big move. And uh, I would say that it's mostly going well. Uh, that's been a big change. <laughs> that's been a big change uh, from being over there six years. Uh, I really miss Las Vegas. I love living there. Wow. Yeah. That's gotta be, especially Vegas to Charlotte. That's quite a, quite the departure there. Well, there's um, something about that too, Jeff. I don't want to like go on too much here, but like there's something about that where for me as a driver, there was a little bit of separation from the business and the driving, right? Where like, sure. yeah, I did that, but really that was kind of up to some other people to handle it. And, and I could put it all on paper and I could do a lot of the logistical stuff and some of the back and forth with NASCAR and licenses and booking hotel rooms and a lot of that stuff. But really the day to the day operations of the team, I wasn't involved in that. I wasn't here, mm -hmm. which is probably a, a good thing because as the driver, like, what should I really be doing? I should be focusing on being the driver yeah. and show up and drive it. And like, well, if we got tore up or something happened, that's, you know what, let's go get them next week. So I will say in a weird way, Maybe being over here, it's been mostly good. I've been able to help a lot. I feel like I've really kind of streamlined a lot of this stuff for us and, and hopefully made it easier for my small team to operate. At the same time, yeah, you see just how tough it is each and every day and how hard it is when something happens, when a motor blows up, when you wreck a car, how that's going to change things. And, and I would be lying if I said that doesn't change like how you feel getting in the car each and every week. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting. 
Um, what makes you laugh during a race? Watching somebody do something really stupid <laughs> um, every every time, and and it's not necessarily like wrecking because I don't laugh at people when they crash because I like I just talked about I know how tough it is to crash a car especially for smaller teams, mm-hmm. um, but just something dumb uh, I I got to try to think of a good example of this uh, like I saw one time under caution under caution mind you at Atlanta. Um, we were going to have a green white checkered. This is in a truck series race, probably three or four years ago. And the person in front of me that was warming up their tires, like coming to the green on a green white checkered got in like a tank slapper under yellow and just like kind of pancaked the wall. On the oh gosh. <laughs> and like they didn't hit anybody else. It didn't really like tear up the truck, but they definitely like walled it under caution. <laughs> And I was like a lap down at this point. Anyway, I was only racing like one or two guys. And so I'm just kind of hanging back. And of course, that just makes you bust out laughing. Like, I mean, you can't, you can't help but laugh when you see something like that happen. Uh, so that kind of stuff, like I've seen guys, you know, drop wheels off in the dirt under caution, just not paying attention. Maybe they're reaching for a water bottle or something like that. <laughs> that, that makes me, that'll make me laugh every time. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I wish we could see more of that on TV. That sounds hilarious, actually. Um, what is a quality or skill you envy in other drivers? I think aggressiveness is probably the thing that separates the best drivers in our sport now. Just hmm. absolute aggressiveness at all times. I think that's a good trait. For me, I've never been able to be probably as aggressive as some of those guys, because the consequences have always just been more right. So when I drove for Carl Long or BJ McLeod, I had like one car that I was going to race for six weeks in a row or something like that. It's like, all right, well, I can't really afford to take some of those chances. And yeah, you still race hard, but you kind of got to pick your spots. I mean, with my team here, I'm able to be maybe a little more aggressive. We got some good sponsors and we've kind of put the thing together this year, but Still, I don't want to go like tearing up my own car and have to pay for it. So I think that is something that I've always been jealous of. Uh, like I can get mad about it and I can complain and go, oh, what are those guys doing? But yeah, I think to win a race, you got to be really aggressive. Hmm. Uh, a lot of these races come down to restarts and it's who's the most aggressive on a restart, who gets a good start and kind of gets going and maybe it's a push, maybe it's a side draft, maybe it's something like that. Uh, so there is a level of fearlessness. Uh, and like, I look up to a guy like Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick to me is one of the best drivers in the sport. Extremely, extremely aggressive, uh, but always in control uh, of his car. And, and I, I don't feel like he's ever taking these unnecessary, crazy risks, uh, but always really kind of pushing the action. And I think that's a, that's a good quality. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. And, and I um, wonder, Jeff, like if, if I, even if given that opportunity, and mm-hmm. I think about this now as a 34 year old, that's been in it for seven years. If I was given that opportunity, would I be that aggressive? Like if they're like <laughs> in the, in the bizarro world, let's say Tyler Reddick got sick one week, he had the stomach bug and he's like, I want Tommy Joe Martins to be my replacement. And somehow they agreed on that. All right. If I got in that eight car, because of having to run my own stuff for so long, like I think I could go perform well in the car 
but would I be like that level of aggressive just out of just natural reaction in those mm-hmm. type of moments, you know? So what would it take then? Like having a full, a full season in that type of car to know that, Hey, you're not going anywhere. It's not your only chance, you know, that kind of thing to bring that out. Yeah. I think there's something to that. Right. I mean, we saw Ryan priest take those opportunities uh, with Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity series a couple of years ago. And that, that kind of launched his cup career really. Um, and man, like what a crazy situation. Like I have so much respect for that. Cause at the same time, like Ryan had run an entire season with Johnny Davis the year before. So he was, he felt like he was pretty comfortable in those cars. And then he kind of took a shot with a, with a great team and it was kind of like lay it out there on the line for a couple of races. And, and I just think that's so impressive to me, like to be able to execute under that level of pressure. And yeah, maybe it would take, I think it probably would take maybe an adjustment period for me uh, to be able to go do that. I think the stakes for me have been so different for so long. Yeah. So this is a, a wild card question. I'm, I'm mixing it up for each person. And uh, for you, I just, you know, you're, you're so interesting on the business side and, and always giving some insight that I haven't thought about. Um, so I just want to throw this out there and you can take it wherever you want, but, um, what's the biggest challenge with running a race team? Money. <laughs> that makes That's a lot it. of sense. That makes it, a lot of sense. It's just money, Jeff. I mean, this is a business that only loses money. <laughs> That's it. It, does, yeah. it. it doesn't make any money. Um, Why would you be in that business? It's a pretty terrible business to be in. I can tell you as the person that writes the checks here. Um, I think it's a passion, right? I mean, none of us would have, would have gone down this road if it wasn't for just the passion of it. Uh, but that's the biggest challenge. Uh, I feel like uh, there's a lot of money in the sport and I don't believe that as much of it is getting to the teams as it should get to the teams. I feel like it could be better for the teams. And I mean that not just Martins Motorsports. I mean that in the cup level, I, I think in the in the truck level as well. I, I wrote a lot of blogs about that back in 2016 when we were doing it. Uh, I just feel like that's the biggest issue. If we could get the teams to a, to a break-even point where sponsors were additional funding, that's the best case scenario for this. I think that would ensure that you always had the best talent out there running in every level of NASCAR. And I think that makes for a better show. I think it's better quality for the fans, sells more tickets, makes it easier for you to keep track of all the drivers when it's not as many one-off, one-sponsor race type stuff going on. I, I just think it, it probably is better overall for the sport. So that's that's the biggest challenge, man, is finding – finding the funds necessary to do this. Uh, you know, my team basically has to operate at a net half a million dollar loss. Hmm. <laughs> like that's that's like the goal. It. That's what you're aiming for. You're like, yeah, Hey, like, if we, and, okay. And, and I'm saying this as a 20th place to 15th place Xfinity series team. Uh, I got to at least get that. I got to get to half a million dollars just to, to be sitting there on zero at the end of the year. That's the break even point. Hmm. Uh, and so that's really tough. It's really tough in this market of sponsorship and everything else, and uh, much less turning a profit. So that's it. I mean, it's money. And, and for me personally, I've never really made any money in this. And I haven't like been super outspoken about it, uh, but that's why I worked another job. Mm-hmm. I, I, I worked at a racing school uh, part-time as an instructor. Like I wasn't getting paid from NASCAR. I, I was having to go raise 
the sponsorship money and then spend that on the race weekends that I got to run with BJ McLeod or, or Carl or even my own truck team or whatever it was, but I wasn't making any money from it. Mm. And so that leads to a lot of my frustrations, Jeff, I think. Anyway, if I have to like psychoanalyze myself, I'm like, okay, so I, I took a pay cut going from part-time driving instructor to full-time Xfinity series driver. And, wow. and I took a pay cut. And it's <laughs> like, well, that's, that's kind of tough when you know that there's people in the building at NASCAR that probably are like working in the marketing department or something, and they're making more money than me and I'm in the car. Uh, <laughs> I'd never thought about that. Yeah. And so I, I get a little frustrated when I'm like, well, I think there's enough money to, to pay the teams better. Uh, but it seems like that money isn't getting to us uh, for whatever reason. And look, I, I, don't, I don't plan to like, I don't claim to know NASCAR's business model. Like I, I don't, I, I know Martin's motorsports business model and it's extremely tough. And it's that way for 25 other teams in our series that are probably in the same boat or, or maybe worse off than we are. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's super interesting. That, that really gets me thinking about a lot of stuff. That's crazy. Um, so you kind of already answered this next question. So I, I was gonna, I have been asking people that this has been a remote work world. So if you were allowed to relocate to a different state than where your team shop was, where would you want to live? You just did the reverse. You were living somewhere else, then moved back there. I guess I'll throw it out there though. Like if you could move somewhere else again, I mean, where would you go? Would you go back to Vegas somewhere else? Uh, so I'm from Mississippi. That's where my family is. And that's the thing that weighs heavy on me is um, my parents are a little older now. My, mm -hmm. my dad's 69, my mom's 67. And I've kind of gone down this path now. Like this was a big change coming over here to North Carolina. And I have to like do that look in the mirror move as the 34 year old guy that's racing against like 18 year olds and, uh, you know, struggling so hard to make it. And I have to go, okay, well, if I could be anywhere, I'd like to be closer to my family in Mississippi and closer to home. Um, but I also love racing and I know this is kind of the path that I've chosen in my life. And I got to be over here in Carolina. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, I think a lot of my job on the, the business side and marketing and, you know, logistics and hotels and back and forth with NASCAR on licensing and uh, all that, a lot of that I'm doing right here on this computer. Mm -hmm. Do I necessarily have to be sitting in this room in this office to do a lot of that? No, but, but being here every day, I'm able to troubleshoot a lot of stuff. Like today, we're, we're taking a trailer uh, to take our car to the chassis dyno. All right, well, we had a flat tire on the trailer. So I went, <laughs> I went to Tractor Supply and got a tire and got that swapped out and did it in the parking lot. Okay, well, that's two hours that one of my mechanics didn't have to spend going and doing that. Mm -hmm. That's a fair spend of my time. Like, it's not really like holding me up that much. So uh, if I could work anywhere remote, yeah, I'd probably be back in Mississippi. I think a more realistic version of this is I work remote a couple days a week in Charlotte, and then I come in here and, and uh, spend a little time with the race team a few days too. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. What is an embarrassing mistake you've made on the track that you're comfortable sharing with us now? Oh, boy. Uh, so I didn't hook my steering wheel on for a qualifying at uh, an ARCA race at Daytona. This is, uh -oh. it, I, I don't know if the qualifieds televised or anything like that, but I'm sure it's on there. Uh, 
we spent a lot of time man, in the off season uh, preparing to go to this ARCA race in Daytona. This was 2011, maybe okay. 2010, 2011. Uh, it was the year after Danica did her debut. Uh, so we did the one in 2010 when Danica made her debut. We finished eighth in that race, came back the next year to run it again. This was when ARCA had like 60 cars showing up. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was like, all right, well, we got to qualify in. So uh, we had we had a guy give us his number because it had points to like give us a provisional just in case something happened or whatever. Okay, whatever. So we go down there, but it's still like, hey, we probably got to qualify in on time. Qualifying, excited in the car, fired up, pit road, Daytona, slamming in first gear, drive off, pull up on the track, steering wheel pops off. Wow. <laughs> I can't find a lap. And this is a time where you, uh, on the speedways, you would kind of back the brakes off and kind of time off to have no, you know, uh, no resistance on the rotors at all. You kind of, you know, we time back. So now I press the brake pedal. There's no brakes. Wow. <laughs> and so I'm like pumping up the brakes, trying to get the car to stop. It kind of spins down to the inside of the infield. I finally get the brakes to work. I slam on the brakes. I flat spot all four tires. Oh, no. Clip the wheel back on, back it up to pit road, <laughs> reverse it all the way to pit road. The crew comes over, what happened? Oh, man, some break. And I'm like, I don't know what happened, guys. <laughs> something messed up. So I just lie to them because I'm too embarrassed at this point. And then I get going again. So I qualify on four flat spotted tires. I think we qualified like 31st. I think oh they my took gosh. The, top, the top 33 on time. So we, we barely made it. They said it sounded like uh, if you'd stuck a trading card in, in your bicycle spokes coming down the front straightaway. Uh, <laughs> so and that, you were still fast enough to make it on those. Still, still to this day, before I do anything in a race car, I double check the wheel two or three times, uh, even to this day. And that same race, Jeff, you can go back and check this out. So I got the car stopped right before it went into like the infield grass because it had rained real bad. And Denny Hamlin qualified the next day, did the same thing. Oh. Steering wheel came off. They told 500 qualified. Steering wheel came off and he like totaled it to the inside. Wow. Wow. He yeah. He like got into the road course and like hit the inside wall. So I felt pretty good that I was able to like get mine stopped at least. But oh yeah, my gosh. basically happened in the exact same spot. So that was, that's the most embarrassing thing I've ever done for sure. Wow. Wow. Well, that's, that's a great story though. It's a really great story. Um, if someone were to hand you an envelope and inside of this envelope was the date of your final career win, would you want to open it? Hell yeah. You're telling me I'm going to win. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. It's going to be, I'm telling you what the bottom of it's going to be. It's going to be retired the day after. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do a mic drop. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to be the last time you see. Tommy Joe Barton, we're going to be, we're going to be out of it the next day. So absolutely. I'd want to open the envelope. Tell me, tell me what to look forward to. Like we're, we're coming off three DNFs in a row, Jeff, give me some, give me some good news. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. Have you achieved your childhood dream? Sort of. Sort of. Okay. Um, like I think about journalism. So I went to school for journalism. Right. Right. And there was probably still like, deep in my mind, this image of like 
the Muppet move, the great Muppet caper, like, you know, the wearing the hat with the, like the little news, little press thing, thing. Little yep. press uh-huh. thing in the top. And you're like getting scoops. Yeah. Uh, there was probably still like that little bit of it to me. And then when you're doing it, you're like, Oh, that's not what this is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not what this is at all. Um, I think that's that version of it in racing. Uh, for me, being a NASCAR driver is absolutely what I want to do. Um, and it was something that I always felt like I was going to have a talent for driving a car. And I feel like I've proven that I absolutely belong out here in the series. Uh, but it's very different than, than I ever really thought it would be. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I hear stories about guys and, and them getting their opportunities and their shots and all that. And I, and I think that's so awesome. But I can't act like I'm not jealous because uh, it's been just so much harder for me and it's taken my family uh, making just a tremendous risky commitment on their part that, that's cost us a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And there have been way more bad days than, than good days. So, I mean, has my dream come true? Yeah. And if you sat here and told me like, hey, do you, if you had it all over again, would you do it again? Absolutely not. I would never do this. Never. Really? And I would absolutely tell other people, please don't do this. You're kidding. Wow. Wow. No, please don't. Um, unless you are rich or know somebody that is really rich that's backing you, uh, please, please don't look at this like you're going to make a career out of it because you're not. And you're probably going to get to a point where you're going to be pretty heartbroken, which is a spot that I've been in several times. And, and again, this is talking to a guy that's like, feels like he's in a pretty decent place right now, but still knows that I'm like, three weeks away from being out of business. Like if we were to wreck like four car, three or four cars in a row. So it's not like a secure place um, for me. And why is that? Well, we go back to the same thing. It's like, well, we've never had, we've never really had like the money that it takes to do it the quote unquote right way. We've always had to kind of do it on a budget. And with that, there's just a tremendous amount of risk and exposure and what's the real payoff, right, Jeff? Like for me, it's like, man, we had an awesome day. We finished seventh. I know the athletics not going to be writing a story about that. <laughs> like it'll be a great day for me and it'll be like career best day and it'll be cool. And I'll celebrate it. And I have a lot of fans now that celebrate it with me, but it's not, is that going to define my career? Like, no, probably not. So it's just, yeah. I, I think understanding your place in all this is, is important. Yeah. Okay. That, that really makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. So each week uh, I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview and the last interview I did was not with the driver. It was with Dave Alpern, the president of JGR. And I told him you were next. And uh, so this is what his question is for you. He, he wants to ask you about where you see the sport in five years. So he, he says, what are you most optimistic about? And what worries you the most about NASCAR in five years? Ooh. Uh, what am I the most optimistic about? The willingness to change the schedule. I think is very good. Um, And I'm seeing a noticeable change of tone when it comes to short tracks as a long-term plan, right? Where we're going, okay, California, that's going to be a short track. Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, we got to go there. That's a good spot for us, right? So there's a willingness there to kind of go back to what I think we do best, Jeff, which which is short track racing. I think we do something that nobody else does, right? So we talk about running a street circuit. Uh, Formula One does that. They do it better than us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we, we're going to run a dirt race. 
Well, Word Outlaws does that. They, they do it better than us. Uh, you know, we talk about going to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's like, well, you know, IndyCar goes there. They, they do it a lot better than us. It's like the thing that we do that we do better than anybody else is like short track racing. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's like, uh, that's our thing. Uh, so I'm encouraged by the idea that we would potentially be at least exploring the idea of how can we fit more of those into the schedule? I think that's a good thing. Um, what worries me in the next five years is the relevance of teams like mine. I don't really know that we have a place in the sport in five years. Um, mm. I think the way that uh, NASCAR is structuring the charter system, it does provide security to those owners that have a charter. And you see that people are actively trying to get a charter in the cup series. Um, but I've also heard that uh, college racing is going cuff racing and junior motorsports is at least exploring the idea of going cuff racing. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So then the Xfinity series would basically just be us. Hmm. Like if those teams left, right. If Penske left and colleague and uh, junior motorsports had a couple of charters and now uh, Joe Gibbs already has their cup teams and all that. It's like, so all of a sudden Ryan Sieg and Brandon Brown and Tommy Joe Martins are the best teams in the Xfinity series. And I go, that sounds really cool, but also probably unrealistic. Like I would think that probably NASCAR looks at that and goes, well, we've got the cars that we want. And you guys are more like Arca or something I like see. that. And, yeah. and that, that worries me because I mean, obviously I'm sitting in a race shop that's got a lot of equipment in it and I'm going, well, where am I going to race it in the next five years? If, if that landscape changes, um, and I don't know how it's going to change. It seems like NASCAR is is all in on this new car, um, and it, for better for better or worse. And, and I'm rooting for it. Like I want it to do well too. Uh, but with that, it's probably going to bring some changes to, to my series. And I don't know where we fall in line with all this, Jeff. It's like from the manufacturer standpoint, they would have this new shiny car. Mm -hmm. And they would have the trucks, right? And I kind of get them wanting to have a truck. And it's like, so what's Xfinity at that point? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't know. And, and like, I think we provide a lot of value. And I think everybody right now, if you ask the average NASCAR fan, say, what's the best racing? They'd say Xfinity puts on the best races right now. They, and I agree, <laughs> you know, but how does NASCAR and, and how do those bigger teams that are, you know, taking up so much more of the landscape than me, how do they see me and my place in the sport and how do they see our series? And, and I hope it's in a good light. And yet I am concerned that it might be as like kind of excessive or maybe unnecessary. Wow. See, this is why I love talking to you. I just, all the stuff that I'd never really thought about in a way, the way you put things is just really fascinating. So yeah, that was, that's really cool. I mean, not cool for you, but. Cool yeah, answer. it would not be very cool <laughs> if we went out of business. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm at least letting you inside the mind of the guy that's sitting yeah. here uh, looking at all these cars, going, "What's the what's the value of this?" Finally? Yeah, the honesty is cool, not so much the situation. Well, I appreciate. Uh, so um, I don't know who who the next interview is yet. So you could either ask a a general question that I can ask, you know, some other NASCAR driver, 
or when you know who it is, I can get back to you and then you can customize it for them. It's up to you. I think I want to know if they had their career to do all over again, where they do the same things. Uh, you know, that's something that I, you know, just talking to you about, like I, I told you my feelings on it. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, <laughs> like if Tommy Joe Martin's decided to be a pilot at age like 18, would I be in a better shape? hundred, hundred percent financially, like with a family, like everything else. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, my parents would be better off. Like, like every, every part of my life would probably be better in that way. Um, so I think I would like to know that regardless who it is, you know, okay. their career, if they had it to do over again, what would they change and would they do it the same way? And do they feel like it has been fulfilling to them? Okay. I really like that. That's a good question. Well, man, thank you so much for, for sharing all this and, uh, pouring your heart out as, as usual, bearing your soul, I would say. <laughs> So this, I what, appreciate this is what happens when you get old, Jeff, you start getting reflective. On a lot no, of I, I, I feel that I feel that myself. I, you know, I just turned 40, so I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, I, I think like what a lot of this comes from, not to like drone on here, but I remember the last time I talked to you, it was in BJ McLeod's trailer in like 20, what was that? 2018, 2017, 18. Yeah. I think it was 17 actually. And it was kind of like, well, I'm just driving around out here on scuff tires and just trying to find a break and can I, you know, whatever. And now like, okay, basically fast forward five years. Right. And now my team is moderately successful. Like we have been competitive. We've been around the top 15. I'm in the best spot I've ever been in my career. And you're like, okay, well, so now things are way better. And like, is it better? And you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> It is and it isn't. And so uh, I think that's that's kind of the interesting part of it. All right, everybody. There you have it. Tommy Joe Martins. You're not going to get uh, any BS from him. Going to get the truth. And maybe it's not necessarily a feel-good story type of truth at times, but he's going to tell you how it is, including all the struggles. And that's what we got there on the 12 questions today. So really interesting one. One that uh, definitely not going to kind of hear every week, but a great perspective to understand kind of what's going on in, in a part of the sport we don't necessarily hear all about or a lot all the time. So really appreciate him taking the time to come on. And uh, like I said, pour his, pour his heart out there. So thanks to Tommy Joe for being willing to do that. Anyway, I appreciate all you listening to these 12 questions as always. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.